Today we're celebrating the many Edinburgh festivals, including the Edinburgh International Film Festival. Here's director Janice Pugh on her film Chuck Chuck Baby. I just wanted love to be recognised and how it happens. And of course, as a gay woman, you know, I just thought we don't see this. We don't see these stories where there's, you know, these women are 40 years old and find a second chance in life to... And it's not hugely massive. They had a crush on each other in their teenage life. One got married. It happens all the time. I think for me, it was important to kind of not box them in anything because life has already boxed them in something. And I just wanted that love to just speak for itself. I also speak to actor, director and writer Tilda Cobham-Hervey. I'll be giving you my personal tips if you're heading up to the Scottish capital this summer. And if you're not, still stay tuned for some thought-provoking and fun conversation. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Hello and welcome to Girls on Film. I'm your host, Anna Smith. I'm about to set off for the launch of the Edinburgh International Film Festival, which runs from the 18th to the 23rd of August 2023. And I'm looking forward to catching up with some of the other festivals this summer, from the Book Festival to the Fringe. Meantime, I'm chatting to some brilliant women involved in the fests. My first guest today is from the Film Festival. Janice Pugh is the writer-director of Chuck Chuck Baby, an uplifting musical love story between two women in Wales. They're played by Louise Brealey, who you'll recognise from the likes of Sherlock and Smack the Pony, and Annabelle Scully from The Split and Being Human. Between the days, early hours pass away. I sing to you of northern lights. I sing for you of northern lights. Janice, welcome to Girls on Film. What an absolute delight. I love this podcast. I have to Oh, that's so really lovely do. to hear. Thank you. Go on, go on. Massage our egos. What do you love about it? <laughs> I just think it's great that we focus on women in film. And I obviously I love the song as well. No, I just think it's a really good podcast for us to kind of listen to new filmmakers, female, and uh, just uh, have the spotlight on us for a while. Oh, good. Good. Well, we're very pleased to spotlight on you because I really enjoyed Chuck Chuck Baby. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yes. It's a wonderfully uplifting film in many ways. And I wanted to sort of get into the tone in a bit. But first of all, I wanted to ask, how does it feel? to be opening the film at Edinburgh Film Festival. It's so exciting. I love Edinburgh. Um, I love the film festival. I love it as a filmmaker, as an audience. And I'm just so delighted. It was, I think it's one of those things where I just go, wow, it's one of those festivals where for me, it was just, this is just brilliant. I love it. I couldn't have asked for a better festival. Oh, it's lovely. Yes, we, we've done a couple of live shows at Edinburgh International Film Festival before and we always absolutely love the atmosphere up there. It's just electric, isn't it? It's a spot on film for that festival, I think. 
for our listeners, how would you describe the film to someone who hasn't seen it yet? I would describe Chuck Chuck Baby as a film with a huge heart. It's funny, it's moving, it's a roller coaster of emotion. If you love music, you'll love the film. It's a love story. I think it's a focus on women, and I think that was the most important thing for me with writing this film. I know who Helen thought about having sex with. <laughs> I could do all the other stuff, but I couldn't eat one. Paula. It's not like Helen is overtly, you know, she's a bit broody. Yes, I wanted to ask you, I mean, it's a lot of it is set in a chicken factory stuff entirely by women. And it's really interesting, I thought, to see the positive female friendships that you see um, evolving there. And I loved how you kind of brought so much joy to that, to those scenes, the kind of scenes that we're used to seeing in a very gritty and perhaps slightly downbeat portrayal. The, the women singing together, they're laughing together, they're teasing each other in a really fun way. And yes, it's a, a shit job, as they say, but, you know, those bonds are really tangible. What did you want to explore in those terms? I think for me, coming from a background from that industrial part of, of North Wales, factories like that were always an extension of the school playground, specifically for girls. I worked in a chicken factory at the age of 16. So my experience of that factory was fun. And it was fun for the women who were working in it. It was, you know, of course, I know when people look at factory work and they go, oh, this is really terrible. But those women loved working there. And I can tell you from my own experience, there was never a day that anybody, you know, kind of, it was just full of, I think the album at the time, they kept singing was Meatloaf Battle of Hell. And they were booming it. You know, and these were girls in their 20s, 30s, 40s. You'd walk into that factory as a kind of 16-year-old and you'd walk away as a grown woman. It was just that kind of camaraderie kind of, you know, this is this is a very female kind of working environment. They were laughing and it was hard. There was blood everywhere and people, you know, played jokes. And, and in the film itself, I do have some of the original Chicken Factory girls in there that were working there in the 80s with me. Ooh. Do you? Can you tell me who? The ending of the film, the last women it falls on is the uh, the girls who were in the chicken factory when I was there in the 80s. Oh, wow. That's so cool. What a lovely tribute to your friendships and to your past. That's amazing. You know, I obviously when, when I worked there, they were a little bit older than me, but my sister worked there as well. It was a whole family. All families worked in that factory. It was a go-to place after you left school. There was no kind of... I remember going to the careers office at school and saying, I'd love to be an actor. And they said, that's impossible. You need an equity card. The chicken factory are looking for packers. And that's what happened. You just went to the chicken factory. Did I divert slightly? I'd love to know how you then ended up getting into writing and directing. Well, I have to be honest, I lasted, I think, eight days, which is always the, the joke of my sisters, because obviously they were much better than me. I found it, for me, it was when I remember walking into the chicken factory and, and my first day, I was put at the end of the line where you learned to, the, the packing process, which itself is a choreographed piece of movement and when that came along for me I just found the whole thing difficult I did hitchhike home with a mate of mine I went on to do my A-levels in drama and from that you know what I came to London I think at the age of 19 mainly because I was a gay girl from a small town and I wanted to kind of meet other people and 
I worked in restaurants for a long time. And in my 30s, I opened a little cafe bar at Central St. Martin's. And I was just had all these incredible creative people around me, all these students, and I loved it. And I just started making very small films. And luckily, I made a documentary called House, which is all based on the Courtauld women from my hometown. And uh, I got a scholarship to film school, London Film School. What an amazing journey. I love that. From the chicken factory to the film school. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to come back to the film because when you're talking about the factory scenes, I loved how in this film you see um, the other women really embracing the two central characters' sexuality because this is a love story between two women. In fact, they they celebrate it. And again, that's something I found refreshing because we don't always see that depicted on screen. Is that your experience or is it a case of leading by example on screen? It was my experience and it was, you know, I come from that very, I always think, you know, I was home the other day for a few hours just to pick some stuff up from the, uh, we have a film storage there and I met a couple of friends of mine and it's just, nobody cares there. It's not, you know, it's not something that is kind of like, oh God, this is terrible, this is awful. No, it was just, it wasn't even, I wouldn't even say it was embraced. It was just kind of like, oh, I'm not bothered, actually. Perfect. There's more important things to think about than someone else's love of life. Of course. More important, you know, how are you going to get paid this week? You know, who's looking after the kids? I don't care about that. That That is not important to me. I felt that this also tackles male vulnerability and male archetypes uh, with the character of Gary, played by Kellen Jones, who I know is one of the nicest men in showbiz. But uh, in the film, his character is sort of comically lazy and seriously sexist. Can you talk to me about that in terms of, of you know, the patriarchal culture in Wales? We were talking about the whole, the the, the monster side of Gary and then the, the, the vulnerable side. I mean, Kellen is, is, you're right, one of the most beautiful human beings you will ever meet. But also everybody knows a Gary. Simple as that. You know, some people were very kind of like, God, he's a bit, and I shouldn't really put the word Gary to it. He's one of those small town male characters that I think most small towns have. People may choose to ignore them, but sometimes they're a little bit kind of high in the hierarchy of uh, how they deal with those people in the town. And I wanted to explore, you know, for me, it was like him being the town boy, you know, the one who knows everything, the one who's kind of like, you know, not particularly nice, um, but also will face what we all have to face in life. And that is the loss and how life starts kind of taking things apart from you and opening your heart a little bit. That's beautifully put. Thank you. I really enjoyed that side of the film. I wanted to ask you about your two leads now. Who were you picturing in the roles? And I mean, they feel very spot on for these parts, but but did it all come to life as you imagined it with the casting? Yes, absolutely. It was just, you know, Lou, Louise, I always had her in mind, even... I think when you're writing something, I mean, you know, it depends on how people work. I work very much from the visual side, uh, you know, the music that has to take part of the story, and then, you know, the, the characters. And I always had, I just had Louise. I'd seen her in, in something on TV, which I wish I could recall because she's going to kill me. And she has that really beautiful vulnerability about her, but also a certain strength. And Louise comes from that background where she really understands these women you know, where limitations, no matter how brilliant they can be, there is absolute limitations placed on them. And Annabelle was just, when she walked in, you know, for me, she was the perfect Joanne, that kind of dark, wonderful, you know, look of um, somebody who who has a haunting, there's a darkness within them that is there. And I think when we put them together, it was just, it was beautiful. Well, I used to dream of playing the piano. I went to music class at school 
I watched this girl playing, she was pretty unconfidencing. I asked the music teacher if I could join the class. Yeah, he took all of my hands, looked at them, and in front of everyone, he told me that they were too dirty to touch his piano. They're really great in this, and I loved every scene that they shared together. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with the Girls on Film listeners about this film in particular, and in particular regarding gender and sexuality? Yeah, I mean, Chug Chug Baby to me was just, you know, it came about because I, I just felt there was a little bit of love lacking in the world. That's just me. And I just felt, you know what, I'm just going to write a love story. And it was a love story that it doesn't matter if it was between a man or a woman or two women or two men or, you know, anybody. It could have been anybody. I just wanted love be recognised and how it happens. And, and of course, as a gay woman, you know, I just thought, we don't see this. We don't see these stories where there's, you know, these women are 40 years old and find a second chance in life to... And it's not hugely massive. They had a crush on each other in their teenage life. One got married. It happens all the time. I think for me, it was important to kind of not box them in anything because life has already boxed them in something. And I just wanted that love to just speak for itself. I remember, you know, trying to get the film financed. It was very, very hard. People kept saying to me, can you change the age of the women to 25, 23? And I was like, well, that's your story gone, quite frankly. Wow, God. Well, congratulations for fighting that fight because it's really important. You know, we talk about this, as you know, a lot on Girls on Film. You know, why don't you see women over a certain age? And I mean, they're still, in my book, they're still young women. But, you know, it's it's ridiculous that you'd be pushed to make them in their 20s when the whole point of the film is, is a lot of their rich life experience. What are you hoping that the Edinburgh audience will take away from this film? I kind of said when I was writing this film, I want people to, to laugh, cry and, you know, laugh a bit more. And I want people to go home and kind of pull down their own barriers. There's a lot of kind of visual reference in the film to boxes and, you know, where we put people and how they're kind of looked at by society, specifically these girls. I think, you know, when they see Helen Joanne, the love story, and then the extension of that, you know, friendship with the three factory girls, you know, Claire, Paul and Lynn, who I think are an absolute dream. I think all of them bring the heart of the film to the screen. I think the audience will, which is what I'd love to happen, will recognise enormous amounts of reflection in their own lives in this film. No matter what your background is, you know, it's, it's about female stories and that's it. What are you up to next? Well, I am in the middle of writing the, the next film, which is another love story, but I, I take great comfort. This is a beautiful story about my, my mother and father. Again, very musical driven. I've always been a massive fan of the Jacques Demi kind of. I create worlds of blue overalls and and Balaclava Sands is the love story of, of my mother and father, who's how politics and, you know, starts having its effect on marriages in that part of society in the 80s. Amazing. Well, I look forward to that and hopefully you'll come back on Girls on Film. Oh, I'd be delighted to. It's been lovely chatting. Oh, it's been so nice to chat with you and um, good luck in Edinburgh. I hope lots of our listeners come to see Chuck Chuck Baby. That was Janice Pugh. Chuck Chuck Baby will have its world premiere at the Edinburgh International Film Festival on the 20th of August. We'll keep you posted on its wider release. My next guest is an Australian actor, director and writer. She's bringing an interactive show to the Edinburgh Fringe. It's called Two Strangers Walk Into a Bar and she is Tilda Cobham Hervey. 
Hello, Tilda, and welcome to Girls on Film. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm a huge fan of the podcast, so I'm really thrilled to be here. That is so lovely to hear that. I've realised that I've been a fan of yours for many years because I love the film 52 Tuesdays, and I remember reviewing that quite a lot. So I've been following your work, so it's great to meet you. Well, that's so lovely. Yeah, that was a solid... 12 years ago now. Amazing. And it was directed by Sophie Hyde, who's actually come on the podcast twice. Mum? Hang on, honey. Tom's been telling the biggest bunch of lies. He said that I'm going to live with him full time now. Mum? That before we can prescribe hormones, your mum must continue to come to us for assessment. Now, I understand you've taken a male name. What do you think about your mum's new name, Billy? So do I call you dad now? Whatever you're comfortable with, I suppose. Dad. So that was 52 Tuesdays. What you're bringing to Edinburgh is something quite different. Would you like to tell the listeners about it? Yes. So this is a very different project to what I've done before. It was inspired by sort of the weirdness of COVID that we all experienced together and how we sort of lost that connection with strangers or people outside of your own bubble. Um, So the piece is called Two Strangers Walk Into a Bar and it's an immersive audio experience for two audience members at a time and it lasts an hour and throughout the experience you're guided through a headset to complete a number of tasks and activities and you end up meeting a stranger and having a connection with them throughout the show. So are there lots of different people doing it at the same time with a pre-recorded headset or are you directing people live? It's only two people each time but it is pre-recorded. That's amazing. I'm going to do it and I'm really really looking forward to it and I love this idea Tilda because I'm one of those people that I really like talking to strangers but I do need a little bit of a push sometimes. Possibly one of the reasons I do what I do for a living but also you know the idea of meeting someone at a festival and connecting with a complete stranger and as you say when we're not used to doing it and we crave connection and community, feels really like a really lovely gift and a really exciting thing to do. Do you hope that it will inspire people to talk more to strangers as a result? I hope so. And just to each other in a more honest way. Like, I think that that was a big part of making it too, was I get the real privilege of being an actor and getting to go onto a set and meet all these people and have these sort of intense connections that happen really quickly. And you build these bonds with people And not a lot of people get to have that in their job. And it's something that I really treasure about the bit of my job that I get to do. And I sort of wanted to form a space where people could go that deep with each other or really connect. And I think sometimes you can be more honest with a stranger than you can with people you've known for ages. There's a different sort of contract, social contract there. And as much as it is, it involves the audience having to be quite active in the performance, it's very gentle in terms of participation. It's not asking you to do anything that will make you look silly. It's really (laughs) about, yeah, exactly. I'm terrified of sort of participatory theatre. So, And then I've made something that's like my worst nightmare. It's really a gentle show that's encouraging. It's very reflective. It sounds wonderful. I'm really curious to know what kind of reactions you've had from people. Do you get much feedback after the event? We do. There's been beautiful things happening at this festival. We've had a lot of people crying. We've had a lot of strangers having a drink afterwards together, some numbers exchange. Oh. I know, saucy. In that way, or it could just be platonic, of course, but yeah. I'm not quite sure. The thing is, I only witness it. The show really is so intimate that I sort of can witness a version of it, but I'm not really sure the experience that the audience members have had unless they come and tell me about it afterwards, So, which is a strange experience too, to be having 
created something that you are not really involved in is odd, but it's fun too. So no one else is watching. So it's just the two people interacting and only they know what's been said, but then yeah. they give you the feedback. So I guess my next question really is regarding whether you've had feedback, but have you noticed a way in that different genders react to the experience at all? Oh, good question. I don't think it's necessarily gender specific, but it is really interesting to see how different kinds of people react to the show. And I think often it's quite surprising the people that really engage in it. You'll meet someone you're like, oh, not sure if they're going to quite get into this experience. And then often they come out with quite profound thoughts afterwards that they share with us that are really beautiful. It's been, it's a very surprising show, I would say. The reactions have been very surprising. How does this fit into your career at large? As you say, you're an actor. I be- Was it right that you've been in the circus as well? <laughs> yes. I grew up doing circus. I retired at 19. Yeah, I ran away from the circus. Not many people <laughs> can say that. Um, yes, it was sort of how I found my way into performance and creation. And it was with a company called Gravity and Other Myths, which is an amazing circus company. They still perform all over the world all the time. But through that company, it was a group of teenagers. I was 14 when I started that company. And the way we made the work was through devising. So we would all get together in a room and create together. And it was where I first started exploring writing. And I mean, really, it was because I wasn't as good at the tricks as everyone else. So I had to find a way to stay there. So I was like, okay, like I'm hula hooping, but maybe I could talk at the same time. Like, would that make it interesting? So I sort of started to explore writing through that medium. And and creation and how to create work. So in some ways that circus experience is what has led to me doing what I'm doing now. Um, But, yes, I sort of fell into film in the middle of that experience and now that's sort of my main thing that I do. But I'm still so interested in theatre and particularly sort of participatory or immersive theatre. It's my favourite thing to go and experience as an audience member and it's something I really want to continue to create outside of the film world as well. I think that's lovely that you're juggling literally all circus uh, reference there but juggling these these different careers and I'd love to know in that case have you had a chance to go to anyone else's shows I know the fringe has only just started as we're speaking but have you seen or participated in anything that you'd recommend? Yes I saw a show yesterday that was so beautiful it's by a company that I really love and they're from Belgium and I'm really going to say the name of their company wrong Entourage Gerd maybe but the show is called Funeral And it is, I can't tell you anything about it because it will spoil it, but it is just, you have to go and see it. It's so beautiful. Do you know what? I saw the name this morning and I thought, oh, it was highly recommended. And I was a bit worried it was going to be a bit dark and depressing, but would that not be the case or is that? I would say it's about dark material, but it's like a real celebration. Nice. That's very helpful recommendation. And Edinburgh in general, is it bustling? Is it exciting? Are we going to have a great time when we come up? It's amazing. It's mental. It's wild. You see every walk of life in every little speck of this city at the moment. It's really the festival's completely taken over. I was in Edinburgh a few months ago and it was completely, it's like entering a different land now. It's beautiful. And there's so many amazing artists here doing so many amazing things. It's the joy of getting to go and discover that outside of when we're not doing shows. Um, is just the best. Oh, great. I can't wait. I'll be up there soon to do your show. Um, Final question, what's coming up film-wise or TV-wise that we should know in your work? The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart, a TV show, has just released that I was a part of. 
and I think the next thing that's releasing is a film I made with Disney called Young Woman and the Sea that'll be sometime next year. Um, but I'm about to go back to Adelaide and do a play, which is something I haven't done in ages. So I'm very excited and nervous about that. And I've also been writing and developing some of my own work that I'm making with Sophie Hyde. So hey. we've got a film project. I'm so excited. It's just truly my dream to always wiggle my way back into everything she makes. So um, I adapted a book a few years ago and we've been working on getting that made. Um, so hopefully that will be the next thing. I'm imagining that will be a girls on film kind of project. Am I right? I think you're right. It's a Miriam Taves book. So she wrote Women Talking. So it's another one of her books and it's all about amazing, complicated Mennonite women. Fantastic. Well, I really hope that you will come back onto Girls on Film and talk to us about it when that comes out. Can't wait. I'd love that. Thank you Excellent. so much. Excellent. Lovely to meet you. Thanks so much for joining us, Tilda. That was Tilda Cobham Hervey. Two Strangers Walk Into a Bar is playing at the House of Oz till the 27th of August 2023 with six shows daily. I've booked my ticket and I'll be reporting on my experience on Girls on Film's social media. You can watch Tilda in The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart on Prime Video now, and you can watch 52 Tuesdays on BFI Player or rent it on various platforms. You can find out more info on my guests and all the festivals at Edinburgh on edinburghfestivalcity.com. Festivals take place in Scotland's capital city throughout the year, with six of them in August. There are loads of female-focused events, from Sarah Polly at the Book Festival to Rose Matafeo, Leila Navabi and Sabrina Ali in The Fringe. I'm looking forward to seeing Elizabeth Gunnawan's show Unforgettable Girl and L. Dylan Reams's show Meet. And at the Edinburgh International Festival, look out for Anushka Shankar. She's a Grammy-nominated sitar player, film composer and activist. She was sadly unable to join us for this episode, so I wanted to share a clip of her amazing sitar playing, which you can hear live in Edinburgh on the 27th of August. was the music of Anushka Shankar. In the film festival itself, just some of the highlights include Jeannie Finlay's Your Fat Friend, Celine Song's Past Lives, Kelly Reichardt's Showing Up, Charlotte Regan's Scrapper, Ella Glendinning's Is There Anybody Out There, and Hope Dixon Leach's The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Loads of friends of Girls on Film in there. As mentioned, I'll be reporting on my experiences on Girls on Film's social channels. You can see our handles in the show notes. Girls on Film is an HLA production, brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, producer Lydia Scott, audio editor Emma Butt, assistant producer Eleanor Hardy, and our partners for this episode, Festivals Edinburgh. I'm Anna Smith, and thank you for listening to Girls on Film. women want to get to the top, how hard can it be? 